the Phenomenal Fan Podcast. A podcast by the fan for the fan. Welcome back to the Phenomenal Fan Podcast, everybody. My name is Ryan. We got a great episode for you guys today. It's been a minute. I'll be honest, it's been a minute. We've done post-Super Bowl. It's been about a month since we've done the Phenomenal Fan Podcast here, but we are on a great, beautiful, ready-to-rock, ready-to-roll episode 57 of the Phenomenal Fan Podcast. Today is... Wednesday, March 22nd, 2023, a lot is going on in the sports world. This podcast specifically, uh, a lot of times is NFL centric or NFL focused because we also have Between the Stitches, which is a baseball only show. But in the case of today's episode, there's not much going on in the world of football. We've talked post Super Bowl depression in the last episode. We talked about how the NBA is such a really, it's, it's, The NBA is a tough product to get involved with and be locked in on a consistent basis. But we have had some NFL free agency that we do want to talk about. Uh, Some players signing. Lamar Jackson, where is he going to go? Brandon Cooks to the Cowboys. We'll get all of it. We'll get all of it. All right. But we'll talk about Lamar Jackson. We'll talk about a couple of the other names. Uh, the big names, the buzz names, the ones that everybody knows about, everybody wants to get updates on. And uh, we'll start with Jimmy Garoppolo. So on the topic of NFL free agency, Jimmy Garoppolo goes to the Las Vegas Raiders. For me, going from Derek Carr to Jimmy Garoppolo, right? The comparison or how much, how much better would they be? How much worse are they going to be? To me, going from Derek Carr to Jimmy Garoppolo in Las Vegas is a pretty sizable downgrade. I think Derek Carr is way better than Jimmy Garoppolo, and his numbers back that up. Uh, His ability to maximize and utilize the talent and skill of a guy like Devontae Adams, not to mention the chemistry that those two have, and how often you hear Devontae Adams talking about Derek Carr and how incredible a teammate he is, incredible guy, all these different things that that are the intangibles but also contribute to a team's success and the chemistry between two pivotal players in a quarterback like De- uh, Derek Carr and a superstar wide receiver like Devontae Adams. If you really think Devontae Adams' skills are going to be maximized and utilized to their fullest potential with Jimmy Garoppolo, you are dead wrong. The only difference between Derek Carr and Jimmy Garoppolo, besides the other stuff, let, let me let me say it this way. Derek Carr has a better arm. Derek Carr is probably an overall better quarterback, especially when you profile both guys and throw them into the systems and the current structure of the NFL. Derek Carr is a little bit better. He's got a bigger arm. He's probably a little bit more accurate, but... In the general scheme, I think the potential to score more points through the passing game falls in favor of Derek Carr over Jimmy Garoppolo. 
on the flip side, Jimmy G just flat out wins football games. Flat out. The guy just shows up, plays quarterback, throws balls across the middle, hands the ball off, and just wins games. Oh, well, he had McCaffrey last year, and he had Debo, and he had all these other... Two years ago, he didn't have McCaffrey at all. He had Debo, he had Kittle, had a couple other good weapons, but they got to the NFC Championship. And Jimmy Garoppolo wasn't really doing much. Will the Jimmy Garoppolo effect of just showing up to a, a team and implanting himself into a system and winning, will the Jimmy Garoppolo effect transfer over to Las Vegas? My answer is absolutely not. And it's nothing to do with Jimmy Garoppolo because I think the game that Jimmy Garoppolo plays as a quarterback in the NFL, it works for a team like the 49ers and an offensive system like the San Francisco 49ers run and under a head coach that knows what he's doing like Kyle Shanahan. Josh McDaniels in Vegas, by God, is that going to be a disaster? They're not going to know how to use Jimmy G. Yeah, they have weapons, of course, right? They got Devontae Adams. They got Renfro. They got Josh Jacobs. Darren Waller's gone. Oh, and what's the other gigantic contributing factor to a team's success? Is it, let's see. Well, there's three sides to the ball. There's three factors in an NFL football game. There's the offense, like Jimmy Garoppolo at quarterback, Devontae Adams at wide receiver, Josh Jacobs at running back. Wow. They look like they might be pretty efficient on the offensive side of the ball. And then there's the defense. I don't know off the top of my head what the defensive efficiency looks like for the Las Vegas Raiders last season. But if I had to guess, and I'm going to look it up right now, if I had to guess, I would assume, I would assume they were probably bottom 15. Bottom half of the league. And I'd go even a step further is to say they're probably bottom five. Going across the list of yards allowed per game by defenses in the National Football League in 2022, the Detroit Lions barely missed the playoffs, but overall, not a great football team. Minnesota. Number two in most yards allowed per game. Houston, number three. Chicago, number four. And the Las Vegas Raiders at number five. Oh, uh, yeah. <clears throat> listen, Derek. Listen, I know uh, I know we got a new head coach in Josh McDaniels, and we just traded for Devontae Adams, and uh, we just moved cities, and we have a brand-new stadium, and you're pretty efficient at quarterback. But you know what, man? You're just... You're not getting it done. We got to move on. We got to move on from you uh, and trade our potential superstar talent tight end, Darren Waller. And you know what I think the answer is going to be for us in Vegas? I think we should bring in Jimmy Garoppolo. Don't worry about our defense, which was fifth in most yards allowed per game in the NFL. Don't worry about protecting the quarterback. Don't worry about running a, dif a different offensive scheme that doesn't rely on a quarterback to basically be the entire offense. If the running back isn't getting any yards, which a lot of times he isn't because the offensive line stinks. 
forget all that. Derek, we're going to move on. We're going to get rid of the superstar tight end, and we're going to bring in Jimmy G. That'll solve all our issues. Oh, and on top of all of it, yes, we know our, our head coach that we just hired had a historically awful track record as a head coach in the NFL. None of that matters. Derek, I think this might fall on you, brother. We're going to have to just mutually agree to part ways, a.k.a. we want to move on from you. What a slap in the face by the Raiders to a guy like Derek Carr, who's done nothing but stay loyal to that organization, play his tail off, give him everything he's got, put up, by the way, really, really productive numbers, and then get the shaft because the defense of the team he plays on stinks. And yeah, you know, he throws some untimely interceptions, but he's always having to force the ball down the field in the fourth quarter in close games, typically behind because his defense is giving up a million yards and a million points per game. Who's top five in NFL defensive uh, yards allowed per game? Detroit Lions, number one. Yeah, they barely missed the playoffs, but very similar situation. High-powered offense that scored a lot of points. Weird, they missed the playoffs because their defense stinks. Number two, most yards allowed per game. Minnesota Vikings. High-powered offense, tons of weapons, score a bunch of points, and they get immediately bounced in the first round because their structure of not playing defense is not sustainable and will not lead a team to a Super Bowl title. Number three, Houston Texans. They stink. Number four, Chicago uh, Bears last season. They stunk. Number five, Las Vegas Raiders for most yards allowed per game on the defensive side of the ball. Derek Carr's uh, fault, though, right? It's Derek Carr's fault? Give me a break, man. Seriously, give me a break. On the, you know, that this isn't a dig on Jimmy G because that's what we were talking about to start this whole diatribe is that Jimmy G is going to the Raiders. The impact that'll have it, in my opinion, is it's going to be basically nothing. It's a, it's a null addition, but then you take that addition of Jimmy G or you replace Derek Carr with Jimmy G basically and you get rid of Darren Waller, uh, good luck to those of you who root for the Las Vegas Raiders franchise. And to the players, also good luck. Uh, because Jimmy G is a very specific type of quarterback that has tons of success in very specific uh, offensive schemes, surrounded by very specific level of talent, and he's not really going to have that in Las Vegas. So, Jimmy G to the Raiders, that is what it is. Um, just another example of Derek Carr getting fair, unfairly treated uh, by them somehow thinking that Jimmy G is an upgrade. Because he's not. He's not an upgrade. The other, the other part of... The other part of the NFL free agency that's sort of... Uh, a talking point, right? It's been a, a big topic of, I don't know what you want to say, discussion, basically. It's not really like a debate more than it's just that it's a big-name guy who's having trouble trying to get the long-term free agency contract that he's hoping to get, or at least compensated what he believes to be fairly, and a team who doesn't seem... value him the same way, right? So 
Lamar Jackson wants a big contract from the Baltimore Ravens. The Ravens don't want to give Lamar Jackson a big contract. Lamar Jackson doesn't want just a lot of money on an annual basis, but he wants, like every other athlete, the long-term guarantee of a long-term contract, the financial stability of a long-term contract that a lot of players are getting in the NFL in today's game. The Ravens don't want to give Lamar Jackson the long-term contract that he's seeking. And it doesn't, it doesn't seem to be like there's an answer about who's right and who's wrong on which side of the argument. And additionally, when the time frame came available for Lamar Jackson to be franchise tagged by the Baltimore Ravens, they franchise tagged him with a non-exclusive franchise tag, meaning another team, if they were to try to get Lamar Jackson from Baltimore, would have to compensate the Baltimore Ravens with a huge haul of a bunch of first-round picks and all this different stuff. You would think the way that the media talks about Lamar Jackson and the way he values himself, these teams would be flocking, flocking to try to get Lamar Jackson on their team. But there seems to be a common denominator between how all these other teams are treating Lamar Jackson and valuing him as a player and how the Baltimore Ravens, his own team, are treating and valuing Lamar Jackson as a player. And you start to think, well, why would nobody want to trade for Lamar? And why are the Ravens so hesitant about giving him a contract? Maybe it's because last year he missed five games. The year before that, he missed four games. He won the MVP in 2019, uh, but he threw for 3,100 yards. He had 36 touchdowns, six interceptions. It's a pretty good statistical year as a quarterback. He also ran the ball for 1,200 yards. He had seven rushing touchdowns, and he was pretty explosive uh, as a weapon of running the ball uh, on the ground. Unfortunately for Lamar Jackson, the style of play that he finds himself or has found success in as a quarterback is not a sustainable level of play. And when teams are looking at different players to offer long-term financial commitments to, the main argument and the main thing they're going to look at is how does this player's style of play and track record indicate how long he's going to be playing and how long he can maintain the level of success that they've had. In Lamar Jackson's case, he cannot maintain the level of success that he's had. And it's shown already in his career. He missed a couple games here. He missed a couple games there. And then Baltimore gets into the playoffs, which they have almost every year for the last four or five years. And they get like immediately bounced in the first round. Because again, the style of play that Lamar Jackson finds himself having success with in the regular season does not translate to the postseason. In the postseason, you need a quarterback who can maintain and plant his feet in the pocket and, and put a ball on target 15, 20, 25 yards down the field in a must-execute, must-convert situation. And the simple fact is Lamar Jackson simply cannot do that. He just can't. He, he's not nearly accurate enough at the quarterback position. On top of, he doesn't stay healthy enough because of his style of play as a running quarterback 
to, in the opinion of the NFL executives, to earn a long-term contract like that. Lamar Jackson is a type of quarterback that, at least in my opinion, will never get a long-term contract. And that's not because he's not talented and he's not an incredible athlete because we know both of those things are true. We know his ceiling is a year like 2019 when he wins the MVP, throws for 3,000, rushes for 1,500 or whatever, and has 60 total touchdowns. Crazy statistical player in 2019. But that's his ceiling pop year if everything goes exactly perfectly for the entire season and he plays every game. But even in that 2019 season, he put up a crazy statistical line, won the MVP, but they got bounced in the playoffs. First round. NFL executives love production. They love big numbers. They love statistics. They love great players. And they'd be willing to offer them a lot of long-term contracts if that they, if they can prove sustained success with their style of play in the current state in the in the current climate of the NFL as a league. And simply put, Lamar Jackson has not proven it on a consistent enough basis, at least according to the NFL executives, and I tend to lean in their direction. Now, does that mean Lamar Jackson just should not be compensated amongst the highest in the league? Of course not. I think he's a great player, he's a great quarterback, he's a freak athlete, and he should be getting a- annually a really big chunk of compensation. 35, 40, 45 million towards the peak. But for Lamar Jackson to go about this entire process with the Baltimore Ravens uh, and act like he has just outright earned the six-year contract that a lot of these guys are getting. He just, he hasn't. Sorry, Lamar, he just hasn't. Uh, Doesn't mean you're a bad player. Doesn't mean everybody hates you. Doesn't mean everyone thinks Lamar Jackson's completely worthless. And we all forgot about his 2019 MVP season. We all remember. We know. We saw what happened. Everybody was sitting back watching that season unfold going, wow, this guy is a freak. And then we also all watched the end of that season and the Ravens get to the playoffs and lose in the first round. And the same thing in 2020. Put up pretty good numbers. Lose in the playoffs. And then the last two seasons... We also saw Lamar Jackson spend extended amounts of time injured, missing three, four, five, 35, 40% of the season. So is he a bad player who doesn't deserve to get compensated? No, of course not. Of course not. Is he a player that, in the minds of the NFL executives, when they have to take a step back and analyze things from from a financial risk assessment perspective is he the type of guy that's going to get a long-term contract in my opinion and i think in a lot of nfl executive opinions like that will never happen the longest contract that he probably will ever get offered at any point in his career probably three-year contract maybe four uh he's 26 right now he's obviously incredibly talented and he's put up a uh a chunk of really good statistical seasons in the nfl But unfortunately, he hasn't proven that he can stay on the field and put up those types of numbers. It's a combination of all the different things. Plus, I think his style of play, simply put, is just uh, it doesn't directly correlate with success in today's NFL and the way the game is played. So, sorry, Lamar. 
It is what it is, brother. But I think it's about time that you just try to go after that three-year deal. Go after the three-year, $135 million contract. Because that's, dude, that's 40-plus million a year. And you'll, you, you could get that. But all of a sudden, he's like, yeah, they don't value me on the Ravens. What, dude? Okay, well, the Ravens don't value. Okay, then the rest of the league also doesn't value Lamar because they're not going to trade for you. Clearly, they haven't traded for you. So, As we sit here on this beautiful Wednesday, March 22nd, that's pretty much the extent of the NFL that I wanted to talk about, and I don't want to spend too much more time on it because it is the NFL offseason, and ultimately, until we get to the NFL draft, there's not really going to be that much to talk about. Um, I want to spend a little bit of time talking about the NBA and not necessarily the league itself or the standings or or the rest of it. Um, but what I do want to talk about is this whole situation with John Morant. So obviously John Morant has found himself in a pretty sticky situation. If you don't know all the details, go look it up. It's pretty easy to find all the information. But my biggest issue about this entire thing with John Morant and all the trouble that he got into, all the scrutiny that he got, uh, and just the decisions that he made. I think one thing was glaringly obvious in this John Morant situation and when he found himself getting in trouble and making some really, really bad decisions. One thing was glaringly obvious is that everybody was so quick, so quick to jump on John Morant and hammer him and ridicule him. How could you do this? How could you make these types of decisions? You have the potential to be a top player in the league and a face of the league and you could have been the guy. No, that's never going to happen, man. How could you possibly make these types of decisions? Hey, why doesn't everybody take a step back and recognize where he's come from as a person in his life? He's had to go through some adversity that millions of people could never even think of. Not to mention, and this is nobody's fault specifically, but... The support system that turns out to be around a guy like John Morant isn't necessarily one that's going to lead him to make all of the most sparkling decisions throughout, especially the early parts of his career as a young man with millions and millions of dollars in his bank account. And even if, let's say, the team, right, the Memphis Grizzlies have guys like financial advisors or or therapists, or whatever you want to say, guys that are around, tools that are available, provided by the team for a guy like John Moran, they're still not around these guys once they leave the the team facilities. They don't know what these guys are doing. And I'm not saying what John Morant's doing and has done is, like, fine. It's not okay. It's not good. He is getting reprimanded for his decision-making. But before we just jump on a young guy like this, who obviously has incredible NBA talent, Let's take a step back and recognize the ground roots of the issue itself. Have a little bit of empathy for the guy and then take a step back and say, maybe before I start hammering him for making just young, immature mistakes, mostly due to something that's kind of out of his control and the way he was raised, 
I'm going to take a step back and be a little bit more empathetic towards a guy like John Morant and hope and root. Not even, yeah, hope and root that he comes back a better person and avoids these mistakes again and can continue to contribute to the product that is the NBA and be an amazing player. That's all you can do in this situation. What you can't do, what you shouldn't do, and what I saw a lot of was people just jumping on his back and piling on and beating a guy when he's already down. That's not the way to do it. That's not the way to approach any type of situation like this. It's different if this guy like John Morant, who has spent 18 years in the league and was a big-time superstar face of the league and was making these types of decisions. But it's not that. It's not entirely his fault. Hold him accountable. Make him pay, uh, you know, make him hold him accountable for his decisions. Make sure that he gets the proper uh, reprimanding from the league. And then let's welcome him back with open arms and provide support for him in the future so that this doesn't happen again. That's all you got to do. Quit jumping on a, a young guy when he's down already. The media loves to do it, and I hate it. I hate seeing it. So. That's all I wanted to talk about with the NBA and John Morant because I don't think he deserved that the, the treatment that he was getting. I think it was unfair. I think it was stupid. Uh, but he he's on his way back. I think, uh, you know, he's, he says he he's attempting to manage the stress that he has in his life, ongoing stress and all these different things. Yeah, it's – yeah, that's it. He's just fucking stressed out, man. He's stressed. It's the face of the league. He's got to play basketball every night in front of thousands of people. He goes and releases off that stress a little bit, makes a couple of, you know, kind of dumb decisions, but that's it. It's fine, man. Relax. Everybody relax with this. It's fine. It won't happen again. It's fine. Talk a little bit about March Madness. And I guess this is also on topic of the NBA, right? But it's, it's not entirely the same thing. Um, March Madness is unfolding in front of our very eyes. March, in my opinion, is the best time of the year, every single year, because of all the different things that are going on in the world and spectrum of sports. You have baseball, you have college basketball, you have the NBA, you have the NHL. And even if you don't have the NFL football going on, the talk about the NFL, the free agency period, the NFL draft, the combine, all these different things going on, man. It's such an electric time of the year. Not to mention, it's the end of the miserable, stone-cold, freezing winter, which is always a positive. But March Madness, to me, is, of all the sports in the United States, professional and amateur, you got the NFL, you got the NBA, Major League Baseball, NHL. Those are the big four. And then in college, you got college football, college basketball. Those are the, the big six, if you will, at least in my opinion, uh, in the United States. If I had to rank them in terms of entertainment factor, strictly entertainment factor, I'd probably <clears throat> actually let me say it like this. If I had to rank those big six in terms of entertainment factor, the postseason structure that that is currently set up, I'd probably go NFL number one. And college basketball, number two. Are you kidding me? March Madness is unbelievable. Unbelievable. 64-team tournament. They 
they go ahead and hand us 16 games a day for two days in a row. Each game starting 20 minutes after the previous game. That is unbelievable. Not to mention, these games, in most cases, that just seeding-wise shouldn't be very close or competitive, usually are. 13 seed Furman beats number four, Virginia. 16 seed Fairleigh Dickinson beats Purdue. This type of competition is exactly why March Madness and the NCAA tournament is way more entertaining to me than the NBA playoffs. In the NBA playoffs, the team that's actually better always wins. The team that's like actually more talented, especially, especially because they play a seven-game series. And I think that's fine. Seven-game series are important because I do think over the span of that entire series, the better team does end up showing itself. But in the structure of the March Madness bracket and the high seeds versus the low seeds and the matchups and the neutral sites and the one-game format, oh, my God, it's so awesome. It's so electric. It's so good. And to me, March Madness is the second most entertaining postseason product of all the major American sports, professional and amateur. That's that's where I stand on that. I mean, it's so fun to watch, man. It's so fun to watch. So good. That's all I got to say on the, on March Madness. Uh, as we stand right now, and we'll... Uh, let me see. The live March Madness bracket right now. NCAA bracket for March Madness. As we sip this coffee... We are down to the Sweet 16. Uh, Alabama, number one seed Alabama is taking on number five seed San Diego State. I'd imagine Alabama probably pulls out the victory in that game. But, again, as we just talked about, San Diego State plays incredible defense. The last game they played against Furman, who appeared to be a very worthy opponent after beating a team like Virginia, Furman had absolutely no idea what they were doing in that game. And defensively, San Diego State just discombobulated them and dominated the game and beat them by 23 points. On the bottom part of this bracket, or I'm sorry, on the other part of the, I don't know what region this is, uh, South region, number six seed Creighton is playing number 15 seed Princeton. Princeton's in the Sweet 16, and they're a 15 seed. That's a joke. I mean, it's a joke. It's unbelievably entertaining. Number nine, Florida Atlantic taking on number four, Tennessee. That should be an incredibly entertaining game. Tennessee plays incredible defense. Florida Atlantic scores the rock like nobody's business. Uh, the bottom part, uh, number three seed Kansas State against number seven seed Michigan State. Love that. Uh, on the other side of the bracket, number three seed Gonzaga against number two UCLA. Love it. Number eight, uh, eight seed Arkansas, four seed UConn. Love it. Arkansas took, takes down Kansas. Xavier, number three, Xavier, number two, Tennessee, number one, Houston, number five, Florida. Number five, Miami. I'm sorry. Miami, like the Florida, Miami. So two one seeds are left. Uh, let's see. Two, two seeds are left. Uh, Kansas one seed lost in the second round. Uh, Purdue, the one seed lost in the first round. And let's see. Arizona, the two seed. Uh, Arizona, one of the two seeds, lost to number uh, 15 seed Princeton. Um, 
Let's see. Two seed Marquette lost to seven seed Michigan State. And, yeah, the other two seeds are still alive, Texas and UCLA. So we're down to the Sweet 16. It's incredibly entertaining. It's awesome. I love it. Let's do it. Let it eat. Let it rip. I love it. Let's do it. Rip it. Go. Send it. Love it. Do it. Go. Send it. That's uh, March Madness for you. And then last but not least, we'll just talk a little bit of a baseball situation here. And it's mostly it's mostly the uh, the World Baseball Classic in spring training. So, World Baseball Classic just ended. And we will talk more about this if you guys haven't tuned in already to our baseball-only show Between the Stitches. But... World Baseball Classic just ended. Japan takes down USA in the championship game, 3-2. to two. Otani strikes out Mike Trout to end the whole tournament. Incredibly entertaining, at least in my opinion. Uh, there were a handful of blowout games. You know, don't get me wrong. Uh, but ultimately, a lot of Major League talent. And I think one thing definitely showed itself, and it's that Major League Baseball has a good product, and baseball itself can be incredibly high energy and high entertaining. Major League Baseball, as, as an organization, is failing. If they don't take a step back and analyze what went on in the World Baseball Classic, look at the viewership numbers, look at the spikes in, uh, let's say, social media activity at certain timestamps, at certain timestamps, certain timestamps throughout the game, uh, because there was situations or games or plays like Trey Turner hitting a grand slam, right? You can't, you can't, uh, you know, emulate that or like, of course that's going to spike some social media activity, but then you have situations and moments like guys bat flipping out of their mind or, uh, Randy Rosarena robbing a home run and then literally standing, literally standing at the wall with like his arms crossed or whatever, or like, 20 seconds. It was unbelievable. Incredibly entertaining. Inc incredibly, incredibly theatric in a positive way. And it's that type of stuff, at least to me, that really lets the players show their full personality and brings the human element into the sport of baseball. Something that especially in in the major leagues specifically, the human element factor is something that's just glaringly absent. Because these guys hit homers, like the third inning, it's whatever, and they just are like, ah, and they don't bat flip because they're, A, you know, they don't want to break down rules. B, it's like, oh, it doesn't mean anything. Oh, it's a long season, right? We can't bat flip. We can't do No, forget all that, man. You rob a homer? Stand at the wall for 20 seconds. I don't care. I, I, don't, I don't care. I love it. World Baseball Classic was awesome. Spring training has got about a week left until games start in the Major League Baseball season. And uh, super excited about that. Again, be sure to go check us out. Uh, check out our other baseball-only podcast, Between the Stitches. Episode 57, guys. Hopefully you guys enjoyed it. Appreciate you guys tuning in as usual. Be sure to check us out on social media, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube. 
uh, Patreon if you want to go check us out on there. We got all kinds of stuff going on, guys, and uh, we're going to be pumping out some content here as the baseball season starts to ramp up a little bit. Probably going to be more of an even distribution between this show and between the stitches. In fact, it may even be more frequent uh, that you see stuff coming out of from between the stitches, the baseball only show, as opposed to a uh, phenomenal fan. But you'll still get a lot of phenomenal fan stuff. We'll talk about, you know, we'll probably do it once a week, once every couple of weeks. We'll see how it goes with between the stitches and all these other things going on. Either way, hopefully you guys enjoyed this episode and we'll catch you guys on the next one. Peace out. Thanks for listening to the Phenomenal Fan Podcast. Want more? Follow us on social media and subscribe to Patreon for exclusive content.